When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey, and today Brendan is at a work conference, so we will excuse his absence. But in his place, we are joined by the most frequent guest in Cubs-related podcast history. Of course, if you have been a longtime listener of this show, you already know that that means we have the editor-in-chief of the aforementioned CubsInsider.com, Evan Altman, joining us tonight. Evan, thank you for filling in Brendan's very big shoes. I will do my best uh, and and try not to stub my toe uh, while clomping around in in these oversized clown shoes of Brendan's. Right. Uh, And we can only hope for the best. But since we last spoke, naturally, if you're a longtime listener of this show, you know that pretty much any time Brendan and I talk about some big issue, 
it's almost assuredly going to happen the next day, and that happened once again last week. We've been warning you of the Chris Bryant grievance decision for months now, and of course, it came out the morning we dropped last week's podcast, as it happens every single time we talk about pretty much anything like that, any trade, free agent signing, always immediately after we record and drop the episode. But I think we gave the proper context to that because it wasn't really much of a surprise. Chris Bryant did lose the grievance. He is a member of the Chicago Cubs for the 2020 and 2021 season, so nothing really changes. Uh, He did do his best uh, on behalf of the players and the MLB Player Association to try and raise awareness to this issue, try to change things, uh, but it did not happen that way. And so we will talk about that. Uh, Pedro Strope also signs with the Cincinnati Reds, so we will certainly talk about that. We've always talked about Pedro being a longtime friend of this podcast, so we will certainly devote some time to that. And the Cubs spring training equipment truck has left Chicago. It is on the road, which means we are very, very close to pitchers and catchers reporting. Of course, the Cubs playing in spring training games at the end of this very month of February. So Evan and I will take a look at... uh you know, some some spring training storylines to look forward to or, or just getting everybody ready to turn back into baseball mode because it is close. We are, we've got like a, a little over, I think, a week or two weeks uh, of no baseball here, and then it all ramps up again. Somehow the offseason feels both very long and somehow very short. But Evan, let's start, in, and I know we're, uh, you know, getting closer to a week removed, uh, and like I said, Brennan and I have talked about this grievance situation a lot, uh, so I think think even once the decision came out, even though our podcast was uh, early uh, on that before it came out, uh, I, I think you guys should know kind of the deal. It shouldn't have been particularly surprising, and I, I don't know that we have any uh, big takeaways to add, but but Evan, you are, uh, I think, one of the Chris Bryant experts, the, the, the leading men in that particular industry, so I think it, it's good to have you on to at least discuss this. I, I know you certainly weren't surprised, uh, but now that we're a few days removed, the, the trade rumors kind of ramping up, any, any big takeaways from that decision or, or where we are a few days removed from finally, after uh, you know all that time, getting the decision from the arbiter? You know, I it's it's interesting on a couple of fronts, and I think one of which is maybe both of which are the things that we haven't heard afterwards. Um, and, you know, there was no although um, Bob Nightingale uh, did have some incorrect information in right. an article he posted about it that he subsequently changed. Um, you know, again, I don't know if it's due to blowback or what, but it's very interesting that sourced reports of Bryant being very upset and saying the Cubs lied to him, uh, then were magically gone uh, from the article later that day after other reports had come out that that was not actually the case. But uh, I digress. We we really haven't, you know, we haven't heard much from the Cubs or from Bryant, but I'm interested that we haven't heard anything from the Players Association. And I assume that's because they want to keep their cards a little close to the... But at the end of the day... This was, you know, and and what's unfortunate is a lot of fans got all bent out of shape, thinking like Brian doesn't want to be here. Like, let, let's remember, folks, this thing was filed in 2015. Okay, it's not his fault that it took this long, and and a lot of this was the players' association using him because he's clearly, I mean, 
it's either him or or uh, well, who's the other one? Uh, Mikel Franco was like yeah. the other one or whatever that fight. You know, like okay, which one of those is is going to get the most publicity? Right. I mean, it's very and Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have been a big one, but then he he strained an oblique or whatever. So there was like a legitimate reason for him to stay down for a while. So Brian's still very clearly the main guy that you can put up for publicity and everyone in the baseball world is talking about what a stupid deal this is and bring it up because it's a service time grievance. So they were able to to play that for all it was worth. And that's going to be a big sticking point in the next collective bargaining agreement. That's an MLBPA thing. That's not a Chris Bryant thing. It's not a Scott Boris thing. Although, you know, I, I do think Boris wanted to push that out and, and probably get it settled, get, you know, Hey, you proved your point. You know, you got this whole thing done. Maybe now something can be worked out, but I guess on the flip side, the other thing is, uh, there's all this talk about the trades, right? The trade rumors, everything going back and everybody wondering like, Oh, well, they got to figure out what his value is before they can trade. Well, come on now. It, it was a simple solution. It's either one year or two. And if you're really talking with team, really seriously talking trades with teams, then you have a package for if it's one year and you have a package if it's two years. So they would know if there was really something on the table, then they'd have been able now, I guess it, you know, it's got to all be finalized and all that stuff. But let's be honest, they could easily make that deal right now if something were out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it doesn't feel like the, you know, we've heard the Arenado thing that's really kind of continued to be thrown out there, but it just, it, I don't get the feeling and I never have that the Cubs want to move him that because that would well that would be really stupid if they wanted to um but it, it seems like one of those deals where again they've kind of kept it out there and I, and I think running with the notion that everyone is available then the the notion that that it would be bryant fits all these other narratives they've got going i i don't think something gets done before spring training i don't think something gets done before the deadline if then just there's there's too much going on and if they really truly do want to be competitive at all this year trading Bryant is the quickest way to get out of that because there's no way you trade a potential MVP and get back in return guys who make your team better this year so uh, those are my takeaways is, is the stuff that's not happened yet right and I think obviously with the lack of much activity or significant activity certainly from them this offseason it's not like getting under that luxury tax number like it's not as though trading someone like Bryant and his salary is the only way to do that they could take smaller steps to do that rather than it's not like they necessarily need to move one of their biggest contracts in order to accomplish that yeah, and I think that's where, you know, everybody seems to, and it the weirdest, it, and just, and this has probably been discussed on here, but I, I just, what's crazy to me, and of course, then there's the, you know, the news that's come out that well, there's not really a directive from ownership to be under, um, and 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 I don't want to go off on that tangent too far because I think there's a there's a whole lot of implied reason to get under the cap if, if that's really what we're seeing because. If they're not trying to get under, then what the hell have they been doing right, for the last right. three months, right? Come on, but uh, but yeah, if, if you're if you're gonna move Bryant, but then there's a the whole Arenado thing, and they talk this one for one swap, and I'm like, that's still even if even if the Rockies eat eight million of that, the Cubs are still higher than what they are now, and that doesn't make them. I know this will piss off all the people who think that Arenado's defense makes him the best third baseman in the world, but you don't just swap Chris Bryant out for Nolan Arenado, and all of a sudden your team is just 
multiple wins better. Right. Uh, and you and you still got to trade somebody else to make the money back. So it, it's it's such a weird deal uh, right now. And I think it's it's I, I guess my frustration with this whole thing is just how many people completely failed to understand like, oh, Bryant hasn't been the same. Well, OK, 17 is still really good. Last two years, he's been hurt, <laughs> like like very noticeably hurt. And his numbers before being injured were on pace to be actually significantly better than in his MVP season. So, it, you know, it's not as if this guy's playing 162 games and doesn't look like the same player. It's that he's had legitimate injuries. He's healthy, which I understand is a big question. If Chris Bryant's healthy, he is an elite level top five player, period. And that's the best chance the Cubs have to win. So uh, I guess it just depends on, on what they want to do. Yeah, but I, I think really we'll see what happens with these trade rumors. Obviously, they're still out there. There's a lot of talk around Mookie Betts. And, you know, certainly, like you, you brought up with Arenado, all of those pieces, there there may be a lot of conversations going on, and perhaps that's why the Cubs are entertaining them. You know, maybe you have teams in different markets that are looking to make that splash. They get a little desperate. They throw out a big package. Uh, but at the same time, having a couple of those guys out there, it may also limit the market. You know, you don't know how many teams are really willing to part with the type of package that you would want. And if you're a team like the Dodgers and you can make a deal for Mookie Betts, or you can make a deal for Chris Bryant if they decide, you know, hey, we're going to push all our chips in for Mookie Betts. Well, that's one less suitor for Chris Bryant. So I I, I only say that to kind of agree with your sentiment that I, I, at this point, and maybe this is just me trying to convince myself, but it, it, it just seems we're so close to the season and there's so many moving parts here. Uh, I would still tend to be surprised if they actually pulled off such a, a a big move and obviously I'd be disappointed but it just it just seems like there's a lot going on out there but I, I do think that one of the main takeaways and you know something that you spoke to and we have tried to talk about on this show for for a long time is that the kind of reiterating the notion that just because he filed this grievance just because he lost all of that stuff, this, these reports of ill will, the, the, they are based on nothing. There are no quotes from Chris Bryant, his people, anybody related to him or his camp where he has suggested that he has a problem with this Cubs front office, has a problem with the Cubs. The only thing they've ever said is that he would love to play in Chicago for his whole career. They would certainly entertain an extension. And again, you don't have to take all of that as as gospel, but there's just no legs to this notion that he has some big gripe with the Chicago Cubs organization. I think he understands that this is how it works. It's a business, and he wanted to file this because he is one of the top players, and he and Boris feel like it is his duty to represent the rest of the league and try to get things changed. You know, they're going to have a collective bargaining agreement come up soon, and it's something that he wanted to do. But I, I think it's important to kind of squash any of those feelings or rumors or whatever. And like you said, like that Bob Nightingale report, it's just, it's not based on anything. It, it just comes out of nowhere. And I think it's unfortunate because it, it does turn a lot of fans and a lot of the discourse to that kind of like, 
Was he being greedy? Like that type of thing. And it it just isn't fair. It's just, I think this process is fairly simple. It makes a lot of sense why they pursued this. It doesn't make a lot of sense why it took so long for them to get a a pretty easy resolution here uh, that we were all expecting. But I, I just don't. I, I don't want there to be any of this language out there that that Chris is greedy or that he's mad at the Cubs because there's just nothing to it, uh, and and it's really quite the contrary. So whether that leads to him signing an extension here or not, like that's a, a very nuanced issue uh, that you know we probably will not see solved anytime soon. Uh, but I, I do want to make sure that that's clear. Like, I, I don't think there's anything to that kind of talk. Uh, and there is a lot to the other side, which is that he loves Chicago. He would certainly entertain a deal if he were being offered a deal that was, uh, you know, on par with his market value and, and taking care of, of what he needed to take care of. So I think that's where we are with the Chris Bryant thing again. And, you know, I think Jed Hoyer spoke about this over the weekend. Like, there is still time left in this offseason, you know, to use one of one of Theo's buzzwords from the last couple off seasons, like there is runway left if they wanted to do something. It doesn't have to be with Chris Bryant. It could be with anybody. Uh, But he did reiterate that, you know, obviously they were waiting for this decision. There is still a lot of talk. Uh, I already mentioned some of those other big names. Uh, You know, I think it was uh, Peter Gammons, maybe, who was suggesting the other day that, like, this Mookie Betts stuff is really starting to heat up. A lot of people in the industry at this point kind of expecting him to be moved. Uh, So just because the spring training truck has left Wrigley Field does not mean that this stuff can't happen. Uh, But we are kind of getting to that 11th hour. If they're going to do something, you're you're getting to that point where teams are kind of going to have to start plotting things out and figuring out where people fit, who's playing what position, what roles you're going to have people in. And as that window shrinks, it just, at least to me, becomes a lot more confusing to figure out uh, how some of these big moves would get pulled off. And like you said, Evan, you know, we, we've obviously seen that the Cubs are not intent to add a lot of payroll and, and make themselves far and away the best team in this division, but I I also don't get the sense that they are happy to not compete. Uh, and, I, and I think as it currently stands, the roster certainly could, not if you trade Chris Bryant and start you know, building for the future. So that would be quite the the pivot to make, you know, a little over a week from right pitchers and catchers reporting. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we will certainly keep you informed on any and all of these rumors. Uh, but as we are recording this right now on Monday evening, late Monday evening, about uh, what, 10 o'clock on the East Coast, nine o'clock in Chicago, it's kind of all quiet on that front, other than Jed Hoyer recently saying that there's plenty of time in this offseason. So we will see where that goes. In other news, we do have to bid farewell to Pedro Strope. So one episode, at least of this podcast, removed from kind of discussing the Nick Castellanos thing and uh, not, you know, admittedly, not being super thrilled about that. Uh, but this one this one really hurts because uh, Cassianos was great. We all loved him, but he was only here for half a season. Uh, Pedro Strope is a completely different case, and I will throw it to you first, Evan, because I, I have probably a, a pretty long diatribe on that. We, we've been uh, 
Pedro, Pedro was one of my favorites. I think he was a lot of people's favorites. But one one way I wanted to start this, so just to add the the context here, he signs a one-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds, $1.825 million with some performance bonuses that can raise it to $3.5 million. Uh, obviously a down year in 2019 for him, uh, much different than the, the previous five-plus seasons that he had put up with the Cubs since coming over in the Jake Arrieta trade from Baltimore. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you, Evan, and, and I'll, I'll preempt this by saying I think Chris Bryant is one of the answers to my questions. But uh, you know, since you've been a Cubs fan for a, a little bit longer than me, perhaps you have some some other not as recent examples. But can you remember someone who's reputation amongst a, a pretty sizable portion of the fan base is as um, incorrect, perhaps, is, is, is one word, to his performance than Pedro Strope, right? And, and what I mean is there are some people, you can read it anytime the Cubs tweet about it, anytime I tweet about it, I'm sure with you, Evan, anytime you write about it, Brett writes about it, anywhere— you will get people who you would literally think, based on their opinion of him, that Pedro Strope is the worst pitcher in the league. He has never done anything good for the Chicago Cubs, and he's just terrible. And when you look at some of his numbers, uh, he is the only, we say this all the time, he is the only reliever in Chicago Cubs history. That is not hyperbole. I'm not making this up. He is the only one in Chicago Cubs history to post five-plus seasons of sub-three ERA relief. The only one ever. And in especially today's game, to get that level of consistency and and solid consistency from a relief pitcher for that long is almost unheard of. But there's just so many people that don't like him and think he's terrible. Can you remember other examples of guys where like compared to their performance, some of their reputation is just so not lined up with that? I, you know, I, I, I don't know of anyone personally. I, I mean, if you were to to list and, it, you know, it's funny because we come off of talking about Chris Bryant, who oddly enough, given all his accolades, is still vastly underrated by a lot of fans. But but I mean, Strope was one of I, and I think the thing with Strope is that he would have a have a tendency, and although all relievers do. So I know this maybe sounds really dumb, but he, he kind of walked the edge a little bit. And, and there'd be those games where he would just give up. Uh, just a backbreaking home run, but those were so few and far between when you look at his numbers overall. And and for a guy who was as good as he was for as long as he was as a reliever, right? For for a Cubs bullpen that desperately needed that. And I mm-hmm. and I think I think part of it though, what what sort of hurts him is he was never so he wasn't racking up those big saves numbers that people normally see. So when you're that setup and he generally wasn't even a straight up setup man necessarily but kind of you know the seventh the eighth inning whatever that he would handle and and so you know people don't really pay attention to relievers eras as much and they look at kind of the strikeouts but they think those saves and I, I think they're just there wasn't enough that stood out but to me you know and again we the hat the hat is the the common thing you know again right. and that's that's like a complete dog whistle right that we we kind of know when when people are are talking about that What's most impressive to me, right, when you think about this, normally uh, the relievers are kind of like the kickers uh, in football. Uh, not Maybe not quite that much, but, you know, they're not quite afforded the same level of respect 
necessarily as as starters or as position players in most cases because you know they just they aren't there as as often pitchers are kind of weird by nature but Pedro Strope was a legitimate not a bullpen leader not a pitching staff leader uh, a couple years ago when Javi threw his bat after a pop up it was Pedro Strope who pulled him aside and said hey there's a lot of kids watching you that's not the way you need to carry yourself and and Javi came out and apologized based on that from Strope Pedro Strope was a team leader like every they did a dress like Pedro Strope day right you don't normally do that for guys like he he did so much more than just what was happening and that's you know if we're being honest um again it was very obvious last year that that the injuries had kind of caught up with him and and I'm not convinced that he can return to form however I still think that in a lower leverage role that's a guy that you want to have on your team, right? Uh, especially a Cubs team that's got a bunch of young guys, and I, I think he's going to do really well bringing that kind of mentality and attitude to uh, to Cincinnati. So I think, in addition to the numbers, I don't know another guy who is as underrated and underappreciated by the fans for just what kind of a role he played on the team. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Right, and and I think, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, obviously, the, the Cubs may know kind of deeply if they believe he can get back to form and he did struggle last year like there's no denying it Velo was down he's getting hit hard in a lot of those outings there was definitely times at, toward the end of the 2019 season where you know Madden was kind of trying to get that going again and really quickly you were like yeah Joe this is not gonna work you, you gotta kind of get off this as much as I love the guy um, but I, I think it's it's certainly disappointing uh, unless they are positive that he just doesn't have it anymore. They they've looked at everything. They just don't believe in it. They're taking flyers on so many guys, man, and not necessarily for this much money, uh, but not that much less money. Like for a guy that's been here for this long, and who, like you said, is a is a real clubhouse community leader. It's hard not to wish that they had taken the flyer on their own guy, right? Like, spare me a couple of these reclamation projects, guys, you're throwing around, and bring back this guy. And, you know, just to to further your point, like where you were talking about with him playing that role of leader with guys like Javi, we've talked about this uh, several times, but there's multiple instances, the most famous of which is the home runoff of Johnny Cueto, uh, where they'll tell the story, you know, in the newspaper or to the athletic or whatever, the next day that Pedro Strope, on that night where Javi, you know, hits the home run to win game one of the 2016 NLDS off of Johnny Cueto, Pedro Strope pulls him aside and says, you need to take control of this game. You need to win this game. This game is tied. 
Nobody has done anything. It needs to be you. And Javi goes out and does it. And that's not the only time that we got the report back that Pedro had done that with Javi and and, and had played that role. And I, I think that, again, we'll see about the performance. It's it's hard to to predict going forward. I, I certainly trust, you know, the front office and, and someone like Tommy Hadovy to to maybe have certainly deeper insight than I do on whether they believe in that. But this is not just some guy that you are uh, attempting to replace. This was a real presence, someone that, you know, you saw guys like, not just the Latin American players, guys like Rizzo had very close relationships with Pedro. And, you know, he was someone who was here, you know, pre-2015, getting everything going. He was there for all of it. And sometimes that stuff is 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 not easy to replace. Uh, but so I'll, I'll, I, I do want to just state like, He's he's been one of my favorites to to watch, and you know we we talk about the stats, we talk about uh, all of that. Like I said, he's the only reliever in Cubs history to post five plus seasons of sub three ERA relief. Uh, 2015, 2.91, 2.85 in 2016, 2.83 in 2017, 2.26 in 2018, and and sorry, 2.21 in 2014. Uh, it was also sub three in 2013 when he came over from Baltimore, but that's only a, a partial season, so that's why I say five plus. Uh, those are really good numbers, and again, like to have that consistency for that long is really not something like go look around like other teams' bullpens. Like the the only guys you're going to find that are able to provide that level of consistency are some of the top guys. And and like you said, Evan, Pedro doesn't necessarily get that credit because he wasn't racking up the saves. He wasn't the closer. Uh, but you're not going to find too many guys who stick in one bullpen and perform to that level for that long. And I, I'm going to miss him, man. Like if you go to uh, the, the MLB.com removed the gift database for some reason, I'm sure that's a Rob Manfred don't give away two second clips for free type thing. I mean, because I don't know why else they would do that, but it's gone. But if, if, if it were still there or if you go to Gify or Google Images or whatever and look up Cubs gifts from this past era – Javi for sure, but otherwise, like, you're not going to find someone that was having more fun, that was providing more of those smile-inducing moments uh, than Pedro Strope. And I mean, there are a ton of them. I mean, this is a guy who you knew was showing up to the field every day. He was having fun playing the game of baseball. He was going to be a good presence in that clubhouse. And you look at some of the ups and downs, even since 2015, that this team has gone through. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to convince me that Pedro Strope's attitude was not very important at a lot of times in galvanizing the group or even just smaller segments of the group and and keeping guys focused on winning and having fun and and keeping things light and 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 playing their game and it's 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 tough to replace that and i i've i've mentioned this before but like for whatever reason uh pedro has followed this podcast's instagram for several years he's reposted some of the stuff that i've made for him i've had the opportunity to exchange some dms with him and you know there's certainly not lengthy conversations often he just says thanks or i appreciate that stuff like that to whatever lengthy message i sent uh but it's it's 
this one's a a little personal for me. I, I feel like uh, when I say he was a friend of the podcast, I really mean that. He he was very supportive to some of the stuff that I was putting out on social media. He was always very nice, very gracious with his time uh, to answer questions or, you know, again, just say, hey, thanks for that message, stuff like that, which is really cool to be able to interact with a player on the Chicago Cubs like that. So uh, that's, that's kind of my diatribe on on that, I guess. We've always said that there's like a few things we don't tolerate on this podcast, and Pedro Strope's slander is one of them. And that will... That will continue. It's going to be very difficult to see him uh, in a Reds uniform. The Reds really kind of making this personal lately. Like, A, they're trying to win the Cubs division, uh, which I guess is their right to do. Uh, But, you know, signing Castellanos, then signing Strope, it's like, okay, guys, like we, you know, we get the hint. Like, this is like kind of a direct attack. Um, But I I think it it all just ends with uh, I would and and I know I'm speaking on Brendan's behalf so I I, I do have to get this right and I do have to put this out there uh, we're very grateful for the five plus seasons uh, excuse me six plus seasons that Pedro was a Chicago Cub the presence that he had the fun that he provided the smiles that he provided to us uh, and the really good pitching that he provided. Uh, We will always be thankful for that. It's been a pleasure to have him as a member of the Chicago Cubs, and especially when you think about how ridiculously well that trade with Baltimore works out for the Cubs. It would have been worth it just for Pedro Strope alone. It would have been a steal in a lot of the same ways just if it was Pedro Strope for Feldman and Clevenger. Then you throw in Arietta, and it's obviously just a massive heist uh, that Theo was able to pull. But Thank you, Pedro. We love you, Pedro. And it's going to be really, really sucky to see him uh, come out of the Reds bullpen at Wrigley Field uh, in a different uniform with that different hat tilted to the left. But uh, it's it's been a pleasure, and it's a shame that, you know, th- the way that his Cubs career ended with a, a down year in 2019 is, is really not lined up with uh, the totality of his work here and the presence that he provided. So hats to the left forever. That is uh, about what I have on that. So with that, Evan, uh, before I, you know, now I'm all up in my feelings, man. So, you know, we have to kind of change the subject. But the Cubs packing up the equipment truck. They are off to Mesa. And speaking of Mesa, this spring you can follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for Cubs fans and baseball fans alike. Arizona is a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. You can follow the Cubs all over the greater Phoenix area. All 10 stadiums are within 50 miles of each other. 15 MLB teams are out there, 75-degree temperatures. You can meet the players, get autographs, take in the full spring training experience in the beautiful weather and landscapes that Arizona has to offer. And beyond just spring training, there is plenty 
50 to do for you and the family alike. You can check out the amazing restaurants and bars, tons of craft breweries across the area, live music, national artists, and you can explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from around the world. Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. You can hit up Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. There is hiking, biking, jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, you name it, Arizona has it. It's the perfect destination if you are going solo to see the Cubs or if you want to bring the whole family. It is the perfect destination for families that are family-friendly resorts and hotels, water parks, horseback rides, and plenty of games and activities for the entire family to enjoy together. Spring training is right around the corner, so you can plan your getaway at Visit Arizona dot com slash spring training. Again, that is visit Arizona.com slash spring training. But we are getting really close. Wilson Contreras tweeting out hype videos. He's ready to go. Like these guys are ready to get this going. And so it, it's a weird spot because obviously we're all, I think, on the ready for some type of trade or some type of movement because that's kind of how we've been conditioned throughout this offseason. Um, but I, I wanted to get your opinion, Evan. Brendan and I have talked about this a little bit, but as we're, we're really close to spring training, let's say that this is the group. Let's say that they don't make any more significant moves. It just doesn't line up. Tell me how you're feeling about where this team stands right now, and and especially, we, we talked about this last week with Castellanos going to the Reds, but in context of the NL Central, because I think it's easy to look at, you know, a, a team like the Yankees, perhaps, like, and, and compare the Cubs to them and the moves that they, you know, they didn't sign someone like Garrett Cole, they're not, like, loading up to, you know, build this, like, as, as big of a super team as they can, but they don't have to beat the Yankees, right? They don't have to beat the Dodgers in, in, in the regular season, save for a couple series here and there. They have to win the NL Central. They have to compete with the Reds, the Cardinals, the Brewers, and in theory, the Pirates, but I think we can probably write them off. Uh, so how do you feel today about this roster, about this offseason, and, and where they stand as we are you know, really close to pitchers and catchers being in Mesa, starting these workouts, and, and getting going on the 2020 season here? Well, and, and, and actually, before I answer that completely, the, the one thing what was interesting, you know, especially as, as I was listening to you talk about Strope, and you think about the qualities that he brought, and, and how closely those mirror the things that the Cubs supposedly value, right, in terms of, like, the edge and the emotion and the and the, and the the just being present, right, and, and really just going after it each and every day. Those are things they're trying to cultivate outside of just the talent aspect because clearly we've heard the last two off-seasons that talent alone was not enough. And if there is ever an example of how there's absolutely – whether – it is a directive or an edict or whatever you want to call it. If ever there was a doubt that they were legitimately trying to be under the salary cap or the, the competitive balance, I know salary caps just like an easy way to put, I know it's not a salary cap. So don't, don't get mad and comment to Corey afterwards, but uh, is that they could not afford 
to give or afford or choose to give Pedro Strope right. more than, you know, not even $2 million. And the amount that the Reds gave him was barely less than what the Cubs have spent on the only two free agents they've signed. And I think that's what really kind of gives me. But getting back to that, you know, I do like this sounds corny or whatever, but I, I really do buy the idea. Um, and, and I, you can't get too vocal about stuff like this, uh, you know, prior to the fact, and, and even more recently, it still raises a lot of ire, but I was ready for Joe Madden to have been gone before last year. Um, I, I, I think I had made that known and, and maybe, maybe some less public circles that I was like, damn, I'm kind of over this whole thing. And mm-hmm. not, you know, he was the right guy at the right time. I'm taking nothing away from what happened those first couple seasons with him, but it became really evident throughout 2018 that like the quirky stuff and kind of the way he was, it just, it, it was falling on deaf ears or it, or it simply was not the the right fit anymore. And I think last year, the fact that the, the players, they didn't mutiny, but the players had to come out and say, no, dude, we need more batting practice. We right. need to be showing up to the ballpark. Like, he didn't do that. That was forced upon him. And and even by the end, I mean, Madden wanted out too. Like, this was a whole, so it was not just like, oh, they they didn't fire him. <laughs> you know, he his contract was up. He wanted something different as well because it just wasn't meshing. And, and he was, right, he said some really dumb things, whatever. So that said... I really do think David Ross being there uh, will affect some positive change. I really do actually like what they've done with the bullpen. Um, you know, again, even even without Stropy, and and I think they've got some legitimate arms in there. You've actually got some guys who can throw hard and miss bats, which we did not see by and large last year until late when they finally started leaning on some young guys. I know bullpens are really hit or miss, but uh, but I think they're good there. Um, the the core is fine. Where I'm really concerned is this bench. I I guess Steven Souza at this point right. because if you're telling me it's David Bodie, Albert Almora, and Daniel Descalso, you know um, that that doesn't necessarily uh, make me feel real good about if if there is another significant injury. We saw some of those last year, but you know I at at the risk of kind of being like that guy and putting on the rose colored glasses. I mean. Look at the look at last season, and and what if you know again? What if Bryant's not hurt? What if Rizzo doesn't roll his ankle? What if the bullpen and, and part of that again is is Madden or or not? But some dumb decisions there. But what if the bullpen doesn't blow a lot of games? Or they don't lose these weird games on the road. Um, there there's a lot of wacky things that I think are a really like they add up over the course of a season, but in the moment are really small that could easily be fixed given that a lot of the talent is still there. And so with as wide open as the, I, I, I legitimately think you could take the four teams in the division. The Pirates don't count. They're a triple-A team right now. You take those top four teams, and you could tell me right now any one of them is going to win the division. You could make that prediction, and I could not really argue with you on that. I think it is very much up for grabs, and it's the team that is going to go out and play the best, as you said, within the division. Can you beat those teams? And interestingly enough, and I know this stuff isn't like a, a real, you know, teams don't really have other teams' numbers. It just kind of feels that way at times. But over the last two years, the Cubs' worst record in the division, actually last year their worst record in the division was against the Reds. Right. And the year before, uh, I, I think they're 500 against the Reds over the last two years, which is just they're they're like one game worse against the Cardinals. 
So now this is a Reds team that just got better. They spent more money than any other team in the in the NL. And and so people asked me last year, they just kept saying, who's who's the biggest threat to the Cubs? And I would always say the Reds. And lo and behold, that's what it ended up being. Not because I thought the Reds would win, but because I thought, you know, the Cubs need to beat the fourth and fifth place teams. And, and that's going to be really tough. But if they can win on the road, I think they have what it takes. It's a question of can they put that all together because – by not having as deep a bench, by not really replacing, not replacing Cole Hamels at all, but at this point they don't even have a full rotation, uh, at least set, and by kind of going the lottery route with the bullpen, they are looking at it, as Jed Hoyer said, catching lightning in a bottle. Like, they have to. They can't afford the same mental mistakes that we saw uh, occur so frequently last year. So can they do it? Yes, but it's going to take a lot of things to go right. Where in the past it was like, okay, they'll win, unless a lot of things go wrong. So now we're seeing it. And, and maybe they play better that way. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the formula and, and that they're not fat and happy about it um, and they can go out and they, they have to push harder. So um, we'll see, I guess. That's one of the more interesting, uh, I guess, items to kind of watch for in spring training and then coming out the start of the season. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe unlike past years, you know, we've certainly had some battles, positional battles and, and, and things to watch. But I, I think this spring training is going to be fairly fascinating and, and certainly informing of of what roles guys are going to play and, and things like that. But, you know, we talk about the, the bullpen a lot, and I think you, me, and Brendan are all on the same page, and I think a lot of people are, that the approach that they're taking is is perhaps the best way to do this. You know, you've doled out some big contracts in the past, load up on as many, you know, low-cost, uh, you know, multiple-option type guys and, and see what sticks. Uh, but I think that if you were able to get a couple of those guys really going in spring training as, as we start here and feel good about them going into the season, obviously their performance in spring training doesn't mean that that translates. But, you know, if you were able to watch these games and have one or two or three, perhaps, of these guys really stand out and think, okay, something is clicking here. Like, they, they've got this guy in the lab. The results are good. The stuff looks good. This looks like something. I, I do think by the end of spring training, you may have a different perception about this team. And not that everything hinges on the bullpen, but I think that's just one of those areas where in a spring training like this, you are, are, you know, there is the potential for, I think, maybe some optimism to come as spring training goes along, which, you know, maybe wasn't the case in past years. Like, I think there is a chance with some of these battles and, and some of these guys trying to earn those spots that, you know, perhaps we come away feeling a little bit better about things than we have throughout this whole off season. Because, you know, I think, and that's and that's sort of the beauty of the guys actually getting on the field and, and having baseball to discuss. Because I think that for as frustrating and at times confusing as this off season has been, once they're out on the field, you know, I think you are reminded of like, okay, like right now we've got a healthy Chris Bryant. We've got a healthy Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras. You're hoping Schwarber continues what he was doing in the second half. You're hoping Hap can come in and, and steal that role. And if you start to see some of these bullpen guys putting it together, you know, and, and obviously we're, we're Cubs fans and I think everybody knows Brendan and I tend to let ourselves get optimistic really easily. So of course this is what would happen. But I think that's what's interesting about this spring training in particular. And it's dangerous 
it's risky and it, and it does make me uncomfortable a, a lot that a lot of this stuff is sort of undecided, up for grabs, who knows. But, you know, maybe that ends up being not a good thing necessarily, but it does offer the potential that, hey, maybe some guys do shake through here and and you get some surprises, you, you get some interesting things that we can kind of pivot are thinking and say, you know what, like this strategy with the bullpen looks like it might pay off. I actually feel pretty good about this. And you go back to the beginning of the 2019 season and how atrocious that bullpen was, how many games they threw away, and how different maybe that season plays out if that first road trip isn't just an absolute mess of Carl Edwards and Brad Brock blowing games left and right. You know, maybe you're you're in a different place. Maybe Craig Kimbrell comes out here in Mesa and looks really good and looks better than he did, you know, when he came over, uh, you know, in the signing with the Cubs in the latter part of last year. And, you know, maybe we just start feeling good about this. And like you said, Evan, we don't know who the fifth starter is right now, which obviously is not good. And Cole Hamels was really, really good for this team. But that's what you go in to, to see. And you hope that, that someone, whether it's Tyler Chatwood, Alec Mills, or somebody else, hope that they step up and, you know, maybe we, we feel good about that fact. And you're like, okay, well, let's give this guy a shot. Now, the other side of that coin is that perhaps none of those bullpen guys look any good. Uh, Chatwood and Mills both don't look good, and we're all terrified by the time the season starts. That's certainly possible, and that's the risk that the Cubs are running. But it's I think it at least gives us some stuff to pay attention to in spring training. You know, we're, we're not just looking at a roster that is a bunch of foregone conclusions. We're going to roll it out there and we're going to see what happens. There is some stuff up to grabs. Uh, but I do agree with you, Evan. I, I do think that that bench is concerning. And one area in particular, I just want to get your opinion on it, because Brendan and I have talked about this, is the lack of somebody to back up Javi in, in the situation that you need that everyday shortstop. Now, Nico can certainly do it, uh, but we're not even really sure where he's going to begin the season. And obviously, you're planning uh, once he's up, if he starts the, the year with the team or comes up mid-season, he's going to be playing second base because Javi Baez is your shortstop. And obviously, I think Javi, you know he's that type of guy. He'll play 162 games. He's got no problem with it. I'm sure he would prefer it that way. Uh, But we saw last year he had that thing with the heel. He had the other injury down the stretch there, and it affects him. And and not being able to give him that rest uh, was, was, you know, if you're looking for what happened in 2019, that was certainly one of them. And it's not really something that they have uh, addressed very much, unless you're considering someone like Hernan Perez actual insurance there. So obviously we're we're really out of time here uh and there's not really any particularly exciting names I don't think but but do you do you envision Nico being that person or, or what what do you make of the shortstop depth situation uh and and how they would navigate if Javi does even if he doesn't need time off, just just trying to keep him fresh so that he can play at that MVP level that we saw in 2018. Because obviously, as you're not making many big additions to this team, you're losing Castellanos, him playing at that level is obviously something that would kind of turn the needle in the Cubs' favor as far as everybody trying to project out this division. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the big thing with Javi too is 
is the whole, um, you know, outs above average and, and him being the best shortstop in baseball, the best defensive infielder, period, in baseball when it comes to outs above average. And that's with a guy who was dealing with a bum wheel, uh, as you said, with a heel contusion, you know, that he dealt with for at least a month. Uh, and, and we don't, I mean, he only missed a few games, but I think we can, we can all see that that he, he wasn't quite right there. And then he had the, the broken finger or whatever. Um, so there was a lot going on there that he missed a bunch of time and wasn't completely healthy during a lot of the time he was playing. So you're talking about a guy who can make these spectacular plays. And so the drop off between him and whomever fills in, uh, which is why I always love when people say that Horner should play short and then Javi should move back to second. Um, cause they, cause they got drunk on like the Javi tags when he was playing second base for a while. And that, that just kind of cracks me up that, that people uh, still maintain that. But anyway, <clears throat> by all accounts, uh, Nico Horner is going to start in the minors or, or, or the Cubs would, I think they would rather have that happen and, and it would take, although I, I don't think they would keep him down if he legitimately earns a spot, but there's talk about them still, you know, uh, kicking the tires on Scooter Jeanette and Jason Kipnis and, you know, a couple of these other old timey second basemen. Uh, in addition, they've already got Descalso who can play second and they've got Bodie who can play second and, and Ian Happ can play there if he needs to. So they've got 15 second basemen and nobody to really back up short unless it's Horner. And, and that's kind of where you wonder, okay, do they, does he get the leg up there? And if that's the case, and he's going to be your starting second baseman, there's no reason for Descalso to be on the roster. And there's sure as hell no reason for them to go after a grown man named Scooter. Um, there's just Those guys don't have a role because Nico Horner needs to be playing every day at that point. If he's up, you cannot have him sitting on the bench. There's no development taking place. And I think we've seen the, the detriment that that can have. Uh, I, I think, again, if we're looking at Madden, if I want to point the finger now that he's gone, I think it's a lot of what hurt Albert Amora. It was, he just wasn't used properly. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I know the Cubs believe he can lead off at some point. This is Horner again. But I think you have a guy who's going to be in the bottom third of the order, allow him to bring him on a little more slowly, try to work some of those. What they've said is they need him to grind out those at-bats with two strikes. He's probably going to get a better look at that, and they'll be able to move him around and do some things down in the minors that they can't do in Chicago. They want to give him some time in the center field. Um, and have him be able to flex out there and play multiple positions. So, again, I don't know who backs up that shortstop position, and that's one of the things, again, they're rolling the dice on the bench as it is. Do they roll the dice again on there and say, well, you know, we're just going to hope that it's not too bad, and in the instance that Javi gets hurt and can't play there, they can call Horner up. They could call up Zach Short, who's on the 40-man roster. I think he might almost be a a, a better fit to come in and, and just – fill in for an injury replacement for a couple games or or over a, a week or two uh, because, again, Short is a, is a stellar defensive player and doesn't have quite the same pedigree as Horner in terms of them wanting him to play second. So that, that could be a possibility. So they have guys that they can just stash down in the minors, and it feels like that's what they're going to roll with for right now. As you mentioned, Perez is another one who I think could be that 26th man. Now they've got that extra roster spot because he can play the outfield as well. It's flexibility, and and so if I had to bet right now, it would be that that Hernan Perez is the 26th man on the roster, and they keep their young guys down for a little bit more 
uh, kind of flex him around some places and, and polish up on a couple things before they call him up full time. Yeah, so uh, that sounds about right. Uh, it's it's a it's a risky strategy, and and I think that's another thing to look for in this particular spring training. I mean, just even someone like Descalso. I mean, I, I don't know that there's anybody that I ragged on more in the 2019 season than Descalso, and mostly deservedly so. Uh, but you know, seeing if he looks different, healthier. Obviously, he dealt with that ankle thing, but like just not as bad at the plate uh, in spring training, that would be certainly helpful. And, you know, like you said, a lot of those names that you mentioned, if anybody has like a big spring and, you know, can maybe make things a little interesting, uh, I I suppose that would be fun. But I I think that's the area where, you know, you're looking at the bullpen, you're thinking, okay, like, I think this is a good strategy. Let's see what some of these guys can do. Let's see what they can put together. And, you know, maybe a couple of them will really kind of excite us and you know, it'll look like something is really happening there. You can kind of mold that bullpen together and feel pretty good about it. That bench is one of those where I, I just don't think that optimism is there for that. And, and I think you'd, you know, really be kind of hoping for just some pleasant surprise of somebody not looking like garbage and and maybe filling that out. But I think that's the area of most concern for me. Uh, you know, obviously you have changes in the rotation you have ever everybody but you know certainly someone like my guy John getting a year older you know you got to see how stuff looks there but you know those are guys like I trust John to figure it out to some degree right like you trust Q Darvish Hendricks you, you just sort of trust them to figure it out and and you know you hope that as especially you and Hendricks can pitch at that top of the rotation level certainly you like we saw in the latter half of last year and hope that somebody fills in that spot but I, I am not optimistic about that bench uh though we we don't really have much to go on but I, I'm I'm and I don't know if you agree or disagree here but I I feel a little confident in manager David to be better about some of the playing time decisions than Joe was and you know as we've talked about a lot I think in the early portion of his time with the Cubs Joe's ability to mix and match those players and 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 put them in the right spots and not overplay guys or, or not underplay guys was really something that was valuable and and uh, a very useful skill for that particular roster and the way that they were set up. But toward the end of his time in Chicago, that got not as good. Certainly, is is one uh, non eloquent way of putting that. And, you know, you look at someone like Descalso and Elmore and how often they were leading off despite the numbers and and just kind of this constant uh, appeal to wanting to get guys going and wanting them to hit like they did in a one-month sample the year before and we got to get back to... And it just wasn't working. And I think to a lot of us watching was like, this isn't happening. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Like, we got to stop doing this. Um, For whatever reason, I I just feel like Ross is going to be better about that. Did did you have like an impression about manager David? I mean, obviously we don't really have anything to go off of other than some of the interviews that he's done and stuff like that, but that's very different than than seeing it in practice. But for whatever reason, I I just have a harder time envisioning and even just using Almora as an example. Like I, I just it's harder for me to envision David Ross running out a guy, putting up a sub 650 OPS in the leadoff spot 
every single day, like over and over and over again, and just appealing to this general sense of wanting to make something happen. Is that a sense you get, or am I off base here? No, I, I, that's absolutely a sense I get, and I, I think what's what's funny, and, and people will probably misconstrue this, uh, but I think he's going to be much more amenable to listening to what the front office, and, and I don't mean necessarily Jed and Theo, like, I'm not talking about Brody Van Wagenen calling down to try to get the manager to make a pitching change, right? Like like what happens with the Mets. I'm saying the the front office, the general baseball concepts, because Madden would talk about, oh, yeah, the geeks, give me these numbers. I'm like, then why aren't you using them? Because there's no way in hell they're telling you that Albert Almora should lead off. They're not telling you that Jason Hayward should continue to lead off. Like that's just not they they're not telling you Hayward should lead off against a left-handed pitcher. I know they're not saying that, but you're not listening. Um, and, and so I, I do. I think that's part of the whole deal. And and this is not a point of because some people mistakenly would will think or or did think and probably still do that the Ross hire was some yes man thing where he's just gonna kowtow to whatever uh, Theo and Jed say. That's, that's not the case, but he is also a rookie manager. And as such, he's going to have to get more input from, you know, Andy Green, his bench coach, and and his and Tommy Hadovy and Mike Borzello, which the more information you get from uh, from Borzello, the better, in my opinion. But the, the numbers that are coming out of the metrics that they're putting together. And so I, I do think we're going to see, you know, that's the reason you have a righty power-hitting ideally he's power hitting corner outfield backup guy. Like people, Oh, they signed Steven Souza. So now they can't get Castellanos. No, Souza is not a replacement for Castellanos. Souza is a guy who can back up your left-handed hitting corner outfielders. And if Hayward is platooned properly out in right field, all of a sudden the offense that people are complaining about, I think becomes a lot better because he's being put in the right situations. Albert Almora maybe isn't an everyday center fielder. Maybe he can bounce around and play some of those other positions. You know, so I, I just, I, I like, I think we're going to see more of that because that that was where, you know, I mean, Madden had to be told, like Ben Zobers had to go to him and be like, dude, no, um, David Bowen, I am yesterday, like put him in the lineup. And and Madden like had to be convinced. That's another instance of players having to tell the manager, right? nah, man, this should work out, you know? And I think that's part of the thing. Um, so I, I, I do think Ross is going to be more, like less hot hand, less going with the gut and shooting from the hip and, and more kind of going by the book, um, which is, is like a lot of people are probably actually going to be upset about that in Chicago because that was one of Joe's cute little quirks that people just like fell in love with when it was working. Right. Um, but, but yeah, when you when you're playing with a bunch of house money, you can make a bunch of dumb bets and someone will pay off. But then after a while, and, and that's what we saw, right? 2015, 2016, that stuff was great. And and then it like kind of stopped being great. And then you're just like, dude, no. Like Steve Ciszek just came up. He had right, a torn labrum right. two years ago. He just came off the IL from another hip injury. You're just going to throw him back out there again and again and again. Like, no, dude, he's he's dead. Um, So I, I do think we're going to see – you know, and that's not to say Ross won't make mistakes, but I, I think the mistakes he makes will be maybe fewer of them that were. It, it'll be because a, a guy blew up. We're not going to all be sitting there screaming at the television because 
you know, uh, a reliever is batting for himself to pitch another inning. I, I think we won't have to deal with that. So that's a very long answer to your question. But yeah, I think I think we'll see a little bit. We we'll maybe not be yelling quite as much. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's obviously, you know, it sometimes dawns on me. I mean, even every time the Cubs on social media post something with David Ross, it takes me a minute to like, oh yeah, like he's manager David now. Like he's the manager of this team, not just like David Ross, like an old player, an analyst, whatever. He's in charge of this team. Uh, so it, it, it takes me a minute to kind of register that every time still. And that's another thing that we have in this particular spring training. I, you know, again, like, look, I, I wish that spring training weren't particularly interesting. Uh, you know, I think like heading into 2016, it was exciting because we knew that team was going to be good, but I wouldn't say it was a necessarily interesting spring training. You were like, let's get this over with. Like this team's going to go win the World Series. Let's do it. Right. We know who's playing where. Like, let's just get this thing going. Right. But if it has to be interesting, you know, that's something to look at too. And obviously, David is not going to be employing all of his strategy or dipping into his bag of tricks. And, and, you know, every lineup he writes out for a split squad game is not necessarily worth dissecting. But we are going to actually be able to see some of his strategy, some of his way of thinking. He's obviously going to have to speak to the media on a regular, if not daily basis, and talk through things. And up until now, we've only had, you know, kind of those introductory interviews, the appearances he did at CubsCon, and, and you know, some of those uh, scattered radio interviews to kind of figure out, like, well, what does this guy think about baseball and managing and strategy? And, you know, I think there were some old interviews in his last year uh, in the majors and and maybe even after that where he was kind of asked some philosophical stuff and things like that. But, you know, this is is all in the past. You know, now he's got those, uh, you know, he's wearing the Mr. Manager hat, if you will, and he's got to make those decisions. So I think that's also something to at least look forward to in this particular spring training is is getting some of those insights as to how does this look? How does this work as David Ross is the manager now, you know, when he's going out and making pitching changes and having to explain decisions and we'll be able to see like, you know, look, like, again, obviously nothing that happens in spring training is gospel, but if you know, if someone in particular, let's say Ian Happ, right? Because I don't want to speak other options into the universe, but let's say Ian Happ leads off a lot of games in spring training. You know, maybe we can read into that. Maybe that that would imply that David Ross is trying something. He believes in that and they're, you know, trying to get a feel for something. If it's somebody else, you know, kind of the same thing. So again, like, I I wish that there weren't as many things to kind of figure out and ask questions about in spring training. It would be much nicer if we were just like, yeah, this team is loaded. Let's get it going. And, 
you know, get everybody healthy back to Chicago and we'll kick things off, right? Uh, but that's not where we're at. So, you know, we kind of have to look for those things to make it interesting and uh, kind of inform where we're going to go. Uh, but, you know, I think that's uh, about all we have for this week. Uh, as it was with last week, you know, we spent an awful lot of time talking about how we don't necessarily think uh, they're they're going to make some big trade over this, this last period here. So uh, if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday morning, something big probably already happened that we're going to have to, you know, edit and do another emergency podcast or whatever, because that's just sort of how it goes sometimes. Uh, but in absence of that, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, Evan, as always, it is a pleasure to have you. I, I don't know, I don't have a running total of how many appearances you've made, but I do know it is far more than anybody else. Uh, I I think if I was guessing it might be Michael from Bleacher Nation at two, who is the only one even <laughs> competing, and you probably much closer to ten than you are further away from it. So, as always, thank you. Any 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 parting thoughts of wisdom? You know, I don't know if it's if it's wisdom, but but being on multiple times got me to thinking about Edwin Jackson, who uh, who was signed today along with old friend John Jay to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So. Uh, Brendan will now have to travel uh, to Arizona more frequently to watch John Jay, who is one of his all-time favorite players, if I remember correctly. And then he can watch Edwin Jackson at the same time. So I think I think all of us should actually go out there just to watch old former Cubs. Uh, so it is, it is fun to see uh, so many of these guys who are just so beloved to Brendan and others. But uh, no, I mean, um, I, I'm just at this point, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, like a week or two of the XFL and then spring training. So it's going to be great. I I do want to go on record because uh, Brendan will hear this as he's listening to or editing. I did not tell Evan to say that, uh, but I very much appreciate it. If this were a video podcast, I think the grin that was on my face when you were talking about John Jay would uh, have been quite something. So thank you for that. Uh, as always, you guys know this. It is one of the first words out of my mouth on every podcast, uh, but you can find Evan's work at CubsInsider.com, where he is the editor-in-chief and where Brendan and I are both participants in, in different varieties. Brendan is a writer and I am a social media person. I do not write, uh, save for the very, very rare uh, appearance of, you know, actual written words from myself that isn't just saying, hey, Anthony Rizzo hit a home run. But check out Evan's work. You can also hear him on 670 The Scores Cubs podcast, Into the Basket. So check that out as well. And like I said, we will come back to you next week unless there is breaking news that we need to get in and discuss. Uh, as I've said for a while now, given that that news might likely involve Chris Bryant, I hope we do not have to do that. Uh, I would much rather proceed with this roster as is and go into spring training with Chris Bryant as a member of the Chicago Cubs. So as always, thank you for listening to the Cubs-related podcast. Brendan should be back with us next week. I know there's uh, a large contingent of very devout Brendan supporters. So we appreciate, you know, those of you bearing with Evan and I and getting through this episode. Uh, I know you guys miss Brendan. He will be back next week. As always, thank you for listening. And we always end by saying, go Cubs. 
Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Our homes today are like little cities full of different interneting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.